Are you eligible to do a backdoor Roth IRA conversion? Is it allowed? Is it taxed? How does a Roth 401k differ from a Roth IRA? Joe and Big Al answer these questions from Nick, Renee, Jane, and Helen today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 314. Plus, can Jay in Chicago buy a family member's condo for under market value and then rent it back to them? Can he max out his dad's Roth account? Can Clint go ahead and file his 2020 taxes even though he hasn't received IRS form 1098 yet? How can Brian in Albany diversify his portfolio into more international investments? And the fellows once again break down how capital gains ride on top or are stacked on top or sit on top of ordinary income, this time for Jim calling from Santa Cruz. And finally, Mark in Colorado has a correction regarding Social Security deeming rules. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Hi, Andy, Big Alan, Joe. My name is Nick and live in Huntington Beach, California, married with three kids, 19, 17, and three. So I guarantee you, uh, Nick and, and the two older kids are surfers. Huntington Beach is a huge surfing area. But the three-year-old, don't you think? No, not the three-year-old. I said the two older kids. I think this is like an oops. Or a second marriage. I I would say there's a pretty good shot that that's an oops. Okay. Uh, The show's enjoyable. Keep it up. All right, Nick. I'm not sure how enjoyable it is after we called your kid an oops. (laughs) By the way, for the record, that was came out of Joe's mouth first. I contributed to a traditional IRA in 2020, but my income passed the threshold to get the tax deduction because I am also covered by my employer 401k. Can I convert my 2020 contribution amount to my Roth IRA without paying tax? Is there a specific or best, me- uh, best, best method? Sorry. So he's talking about a backdoor Roth. Yes, he is. Which I know you love to explain. So he's got basis in the IRA. It's after tax. You're not taking a tax deduction from it. And can you convert it without paying tax? Uh, the answer is maybe. The answer is yes, if you have no other IRAs. You can have a 401k. That's okay. You just cannot have another IRA. Because the, the problem is if you have IRAs where you took a tax deduction or they growed at all. So 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 that grew at all. Did I say grow? You just said growed. It growed. <laughs> it, it grew at all. can't believe I said that. My mom would, would just shake me right now. Anyway. So when you have an IRA that has growth in it or you got a tax deduction, now you have some of those dollars that are taxable. So you have to use the pro rata rule to figure out how much is tax-free on the conversion. All right, other details. I'm 35. Oh, well, maybe I stand corrected. <laughs> maybe his, um, his, has a, his wife yeah. probably had some children previous to their marriage. Unless he was fairly young when yeah, uh, 15 of that wow. possible it could be <laughs> um my wife eunice eunice also contributes to a traditional ira but still gets the full deduction for her amount eunice is a full-time student and part-time worker i am a navy reservist oh nick thank you so much for your uh, service second source of income we have a rental home in San Diego that adds about $6,000 of income. I have a Roth IRA, but I have been contributing to my traditional IRA for the past few years. Thanks for your help. 
All right. Yeah. So he's as long as he doesn't have any other IRAs, he's good to go. But you know what, Al? I'm so sick of this backdoor Roth IRA BS that I need to ask you a question. Okay. So my boy Dante, last couple, I mean, the guys sent me uh, 400 emails. We're okay. best friends. Now. Sure. We're going to go golfing someday. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, oh, I cannot roll my retirement accounts. And into the IRA because that would just kill my backdoor Roth. <laughs> okay. So let's explain to the listener that the backdoor Roth IRA and doing a conversion is identical to some degree. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, it's different mechanics, but you end up in the same spot. And it's the same tax. Yeah. Because let's say you have $7,000 that you're going to contribute to a non-deductible IRA. So let's say I'm in the 35% tax bracket. That's where this, this guy Dante's in. And he's all up in arms because I cannot contribute directly into a Roth, Joe. So I need to keep all these 401ks and 403bs and everything else so I can do the back door. And we get all these stupid questions about the back door and the mega back door and all the super back doors. But if I make a contribution into a Roth, if it's backdoor or not, it's always after tax. Do you agree with that? I agree. So in other words, you've already paid tax on it. I've already paid the tax on it. So if I put $7,000 into a Roth and I'm in the 35% tax bracket, well, I had to make uh, $10,000 or someone, whatever that number is, to net out $7,000 to contribute to my non-deductible IRA, and then convert it. Yeah, but the only difference is you pay the tax probably in another tax year. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, whereas a Roth conversion, you have to pay the tax in this year. But you still pay the, the next year. Agreed. It's the same, it's same, same. Unless you're in a lower bracket when you pay the tax to get the money. Exactly. If I'm in the same tax bracket. Okay, agreed. It doesn't matter. Right. So for these people that love the backdoor Roth, because it's like I'm doing a Roth conversion without actually paying the tax. Guess what? You've already paid the tax. Because it's already an after-tax it. contribution into the IRA that doesn't have basis, then you convert it. Yeah, It's the same as a contribution that's after tax. Or if you take pre-tax dollars and you convert it into a Roth at the same tax bracket, it's all the same. Yeah, if. As long as your tax bracket is the same year after year, I agree with that. You're basically in the same spot. If you do a conversion, right, and then all of a sudden the conversion pops you, some of that money pops you into a different tax bracket, well, then no, right? But in some people's minds, it's like they don't think about the tax. It's free money. Well, they don't think about the tax they paid last year. I'm only thinking about this year, right? So that's where you kind of get a little bit messed up. But how many backdoor Roth? contributions, conversions do we get a week? Questions? Lots. People should be focusing on, I don't know, if you do a conversion versus the back door, it's almost the same thing. There's there's, there's very few benefits. The If I do, let's say, a back door Roth, I've already made the money. I'm going to put it into an IRA and then convert it. It doesn't show up on my tax return, right? It, it, it does, but then it credits back. Uh, it, it's just a, a formality. Um, it doesn't show up as additional income, right? So it's not going to phase me out of anything else or um, 
But if I do a conversion, then that money shows up on my tax return. So that's the biggest difference. But if I keep myself in the same tax bracket, it's same, same. It is. But if you inherited money. Okay, very good. Uh, you, did, you didn't pay any tax on that. That's the only, <laughs> yes. I, you know what? Very true. Very true. Okay. If you inherited the money. Yeah. Any any others? If you were given a gift. Okay. Inherit, gift. If, if you found, well, even if you find money, you have to pay tax on it. Yeah, right. I cut, cut myself on that. Because, yeah, if you get a gift or you inherit the money, then, right, you, you never pay tax yeah. on it. You're, whoever. Like if you find money in your backyard, like a treasure, you're supposed, <laughs> to, you're supposed to, like pirate treasure, you're supposed to put it on your tax return because it's income. A treasure. Yeah. All right. So, anyway. you know, have you ever, ever had anybody who's come to you and said, we found pirate treasure in our backyard. What should we do with no, it? We got, um, well, we've had people that think that they found a treasure in regards to like the next business that they're investing in or that they're starting. Sure. Like barbershop yeah, or something. Oh, on, on, a, yeah. on occasion, someone discovers a shipwreck and they pull up some Spanish gold or something. So that, that would be actually taxable. Okay, we have Renee. Yep. How do you know it's a male? Because we've gotten questions from Renee before. I guarantee you, you, you have this little FBI spy kit. <laughs> she has. I a threw weapon. my FBI spy kit away a long time ago. I don't Joe. think. So. I don't think so. Google Earth, watch out. <laughs> uh, all right, Renee writes in. I had a TSP, and when I retired, my advisor helped me roll over my Roth and IRA to Fidelity about two years ago. When I listened to your talk over the radio, you mentioned that I can convert my regular IRA to a Roth backdoor. However, when I talked to my financial planner, he said that we can do that, but when I take money out from the rollover IRA and put it into my Roth, that it would be considered income. Whatever IRA money I have taken out and it will be taxed, is the backdoor that you mentioned will not charge me any tax thank you for your help oh. here we go again here we go again big al every other episode we answer this but but the but the the question the the, the confusion is the difference between a contribution and a conversion in a backdoor well, that's, versus that, a garage we, we won't even get there yet so a contribution is when you put in six thousand dollars into a roth up to six thousand dollars into a roth right or seven thousand if you're over 50. okay you have to have earned income and your income has to be low enough to qualify so low enough right now means one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for a single person and 196,000 for a married person so if, if it's below that you can do a roth contribution six thousand dollars a year and there's no tax taxation there because you've already paid taxes on those dollars. So that's that's one thing. Now, second thing, which is kind of like Roth con contribution B, if you will, <laughs> is if you can't, if your income's too high, oh, you, oh, there's a little workaround. You can do a backdoor Roth contribution. Um, sometimes we use the word conversion. Maybe that's what messes you up. But you basically put $6,000 into an IRA and then you convert that. And since you didn't get a tax deduction going to the IRA when you convert it, there is no tax to pay. 
That's that's the back door. First of all, uh, Renee, you have to be working. So you, you said you're retired. So that neither of those things apply. The Roth contribution nor the Roth backdoor contribution. You just hear them now. Hey, now, now, I want to do that backdoor <laughs> like Big Al and Joe talk about. Now, you can do a conversion, which I think is what your advisor said. That's taking money out of your IRA, which you got a tax deduction for originally, presumably. And now you put it in a Roth and yes, you pay taxes on that because you got a benefit in the first place. Yep. So that's, that's what's available to you, Renee, right now, because you're retired. Now, if you go back to work and you make $6,000 in a part-time job, you can go back to the Roth contribution. And if your income is too high, too high, you could do a backdoor Roth. <laughs> How's that? I think that was perfect. And you didn't have to say anything yourself. <sighs> yeah. You know, it's like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Listen to your money, your wealth. They said I can do conversions and not pay the tax. <laughs> They're probably like, what the hell are those guys talking about? What are you listening to? <laughs> what are you listening your to? Your money, your wealth? Oh, that uh, explains everything. <laughs> yeah, you got Dr. Roth. Oh, boy. I uh, got Jane from Michigan. My husband and I have an individual IRA together from old employers. Okay, that's interesting. I think she means they both have ones from all the players. It does actually say have individual IRAs, not have an individual IRA. Yeah, true. Thank you. We never contributed after the rollover. My husband's current employer allows him to roll over our IRA dollars into his current 401k. We make approximately $375,000 per year together, so not allowed to do the standalone Roth IRA. My thought is to roll his IRA into the 401k to allow him to do contribution to a zero balance IRA once a year, then roll into Rob. You know what that's called, Al? Yeah, that's called backdoor Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just talked about okay, it. Okay, just seeing if you were paying attention. Yep. Is this allowed if his 401k has an in-house Roth 401k for conversion within with after-tax money, uh, you know what that's called there, Big Al? <laughs> we got a question with a backdoor we Roth did. and a mega backdoor mega, Roth. Mega, whatever you want to call it. We got Or garage door. Garage door, dump truck Roth. Yep. He's 51. He maxes out pre-tax and in-house after-tax. Also has an employer match of 6%. Just looking to clarify between Roth 401k and Roth IRA relating to income levels and IRAs. What do I do with my IRA if I want to contribute to Roth IRA? Do I pay taxes on the balance, zero it out, then contribute yearly and roll into the standalone Roth? Hope you can follow this. I can barely. Um, really ask it. <laughs> Super confusing. I can, I can barely ask it. Super confusing. Thanks for any knowledge on this. Okay, Jane, you're close. Let me break a few things down. So Jane's husband has a IRA that he rolled from a 401k into a traditional IRA. Correct. They have made zero contribution to the IRA that he rolled from a previous employer. Sure. Jane also has a IRA that she rolled from a previous employer's 401k. Right. Jane's husband, Dick. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Jane. Perfect. Yeah, why not? I'm making that up, Jane. Sorry if his name's not Dick. 
um, is rolling his IRA into the 401k that his current employer has. He can. He can. Yep. So, yes, that's my first answer to that question. Do that. Start there. Take the IRA dollar. Move it into the existing 401k that he's contributing to. His 401k plan also has after-tax components. So my confusion with the question from Jane is that when she says after tax, is he fully funding the pre-tax and still has the ability to contribute more? Or is she calling the after-tax contributions, you know, going into the Roth provision of the 401k? Yeah, hard to say. Hard to say. Yep. But let's just assume he maxed out the 401k pre-tax yeah. and then he continues to contribute into the after-tax component of the plan. Okay. All right. So he's eligible for two things, Jane. So you take the IRA, you roll it into the 401k. Now he has no other IRAs. So the pro rata rule, aggregation rule, does not apply to Dick for backdoor Roth convert or contributions. contributions. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Here, here's my only caveat to that. And that is it depends upon the investment choices inside the 401k. So in other words, if it's a large IRA balance and you're going to roll it into your existing 401k that does not have great investment choices, I think I'd rather keep it in the IRA and invest it properly and don't worry about the backdoor Roth. On the other hand, if the 401k has decent investment choices, go for it. Because if you get the money from the IRA to the 401k, now your husband, Dick, we'll say, can do the the, the Roth back to a Roth country. Yeah, the IRA contribution and convert it directly into a Roth IRA. So it's not a rollover to a Roth IRA. It's a conversion to a Roth IRA. If he has money in the Roth 401k, it makes no difference. It does not affect any type of IRA. Section 401k is a totally different section in the IRS code than IRA plans. Yeah, and that's a good point. If you max out your Roth 401k, can you still do a Roth contribution? The answer is yes, as long as your income is low enough. And if it's too high, you can do you can look at the backdoor Roth. And then um, he can also take the after-tax dollars from the 401k and convert those into his Roth IRA. Right. And that would be tax-free because you didn't get a tax deduction. So the Roth 401k would stay in the 401k. The pre-tax 401k would stay in the 401k. The IRA that you rolled from a previous 401k into an IRA would be rolled into the new 401k. <laughs> so then you would take the after-tax components, put it into the Roth IRA. Are you following me here? I'm with you. You following me, Jane? <laughs> Isn't this confusing? It is confusing. Super confusing. But I think you got it. Just listen to this over and over and over again. <laughs> Your other option, besides listening to this multiple times, is to download the Ultimate Guide to Roth IRAs for free from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Learn about Roth IRA contributions and conversions, backdoor Roth IRA conversions, the differences between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA, the differences between a Roth 401k and a Roth IRA, which is a question coming up from Helen, the rules for withdrawing money from your Roth, and much more. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes to access all of the free resources. And of course, to send in your comments, your limerick songs, stories about your cars and your pets and your money questions. Jay writes in from Chicago. He goes, hi, Andy, Joe and Al. I drive a Ford Explorer and I have two questions for you. You know what? Maybe we got to do a little disclaimer here sometimes. And what's that? Because people are like, you know, let's say if, if you just t- tuned into the show. Yeah. It's like, well, why the hell do they always talk about their cars? 
<laughs> yeah. Why don't you explain that? Because we haven't talked about that in a while. I, I kind of forgot. But the, the, I think the genesis was I really want to get in the mind of the of our listener. Yeah. I think what you said is I want to know what you're doing. Yes. While you're listening to our podcast. And then some people say, well, I was driving in my Ford Explorer. And then, and then, no, uh, they said I was driving and I was yeah. like, I wonder what they're driving. Yeah. Right. And then we make up their car and then they started telling us. And then some people said, I walked my dog. And so then you want, then you said, well, I need to know the name of the dog. Right. And now it's standard to get the car and the dog's name. <laughs> yeah. You can actually hear all of that in podcast 300. I, I, oh, okay. I get in the mind of our listener when to, I'm answering these To really questions. answer the question You properly. have to understand yeah. really what they're going through. Got it. We take a step further, Al. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? Well, we also like to know where you live. Yes. And, and we can imagine if you're writing us from Chicago in January, it might be a little, a wee bit chilly. Yeah. It's probably a little cold. The Ford Explorer, he has to go outside, scrape the windows. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's yeah. got to plug the thing in, maybe. Sure, Let's sure sit does. up there yeah. for right. 20 minutes. Be, he's got to get up at like 4.30 in the morning to go to work at 7 because <laughs> he's got to get that Ford Explorer. got to warm it up. you got to warm it up. You can't drive it cold, can yeah. you? Well, I guess you can. Oh, you, you can, can but it's, yeah, it's not fun. I tried that once in my my days. And when I was, I went to Colorado in the winter, I was doing, a, I had a, a client in Hartsall which is near Colorado Springs. No, yeah, Colorado Springs and Breckenridge up in the mountains. And the guys there told me you have to start your car early before. And I thought that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Yeah. So I got in the car and started driving away. <laughs> and then 15 minutes later, it's like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. I'm so cold. Well, you, but then the windows fog up. You can't see. And then you got to get the heater going. And then it fogs. And then you can scrape your windows. I could Some see. people scrape their windows with a credit card. I couldn't Some see. Some people I, have an ice scraper. Yeah, I couldn't see a thing. And I was freezing. Yeah. It was a bad combination. That's how uh, people get in car accidents. Apparently. Out. All right. I was lucky. So um, Jay from Chicago, let's get back to him. He's got two questions for us. Could I buy a family member's condo from her at below market value, say more than 25% below? She would be losing the equity she puts in, but I could put down a fat down payment and rent the place to her at a significantly lower price that she's paying now. Plus, I could deduct the HOA fees as the landlord. We're assuming she'd live there for the rest of her life. Is there any legal or financial reasons that this would be a bad idea? So he's going to go to his family member. Yeah. Let's just say it's, it's his mom. mom. Hey, mom. Yeah, I'm guessing mom. <laughs> I'm going to buy your place, but I'm going gonna- to. I'm going to jack your equity. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's worth four hundred. I'll give you two, just so you don't go out in the cold. <laughs> you can have a place to live forever. Yeah, there you go. Um, and I'll take care of the expenses. So, 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 can you buy a, a property from a family member at below market? Yes, but it's um, a gift. It could be a gift if if it's too low. Like like your example, four hundred thousand dollars a property bought for two hundred thousand. The IRS could say, you know what, your mom actually made you a gift of a couple hundred thousand. So just just be aware of that possibility. But there's nothing illegal with it. You might have to file a gift tax return. And then as far as you charging, we're going to call it mom, call her mom, charging mom rent. That's fine. You could charge whatever rent you want. And if it's if it's a reasonable rent, then you can actually deduct expenses against the rent. If it's below market rent, you can only deduct expenses to end up with zero profit or loss. You can't you can't create a loss when it's below market rent to a family member. All right. Um, Jay's uh, dad is eligible for a Roth IRA, but will not open one, despite my best efforts. 
Since he will not open one for himself, is there any reason that I couldn't give him money to max out his Roth every year if he's eligible? With the agreement that when he passes, he gives it to me. <laughs> Jay, I love Jay. He's in Chi-Town. He's just got, Mom, he, I'm buying your house for 25% the low market. Dad, I'm funding your, <laughs> your Roth, but it has to come to me. If you like it or not, I'm funding <laughs> this thing for you. And you're going to leave me the beneficiary. Yes, if your dad is eligible, that means he has to have earned income in income within the income thresholds. Of course, you can fund it for him. It's his property, though. But he, he, could, he could change beneficiaries if you're not nice yes, to him. Yes, and he could spend it. Yeah, he's so, good. Uh, just FYI. Great questions, Jay. Really appreciate it. All right. Helen writes in. Hi, Jabad. Joe, Al, and Andy. Joe Anderson, Big Al, and Andy. Is Andy, do you got anything here? Uh, no, I don't know what the D stands for. Jabad. Well, it's Andy, I think. <laughs> okay. I mean, what else would it be? Not sure. J-A-B-A-A-D. Joe Anderson, Big Al, and D. <laughs> yeah. So Sounds I'm, good. I'm, I'm a B-A, which has another meaning for me. Got it. I I like your name. Short as Jabad. <laughs> this is Helen from San Diego. It's very knowledgeable to listen to your podcast. I have a Vanguard as 401k at work. Since last year, Vanguard offer Roth. They said I can contribute as much as I prefer, no limit, $6,000 per year. Okay. Uh, there's no limit, but it's $6,000 per year. <laughs> there is a limit, and you're right, 6000 per year. <laughs> I think that's what you meant to say. <laughs> I would prefer no limit too, but they do limit it to, to six thousand. I have no limit, but if, but it's six thousand per year. If you're fifty, you get to do seven thousand. Um, is are these considered a Roth four hundred one k instead of a Roth IRA? What's the difference? I would like to uh, know more about the mega backdoor Roth IRA, Helen. No, you don't. <laughs> Thanks for all your advice. Please refer back to the podcast if you already advice on this issue, so I can listen again. Yes, every podcast, Helen, listen, <laughs> just, just pick one. And yeah. I guarantee there's the mega backdoor Roth. So two things I'm going to talk about. We're going to go Roth IRA versus Roth 401k. The Roth IRA has AGI limitations. So if Helen is single, it's for 2021, Al, it's what, $135,000? Yeah, I think it's 125 to 135. Okay. That's the limit. Something like that. So yeah. Helen, if you're single, I'm not sure if you're single or married. 125 to 140. Oh, 125 to 140. So that's the phase. That's the phase out. If you're below 125, you can do the whole 6,000. If you're above that, there's a phase out to 140. And if you are married, Helen, 198 to 208 is your phase out. Okay. So that's 6,000. If you're over 50, it's 7,000. Roth 401k has no AGI limitation. So it doesn't matter how much money that you make, you can make a Roth 401k contribution. The other difference between a Roth 401k is that there the, the limitation is not $6,000 per year. It is $19,000 per year if you're under 50. 195. 195 and 26, 25, 5, 26. Yeah, and 6,500 catch up, 26 total. There you go, 26. Yeah. That's what I thought. 26,000. Um, so that's your limits. So there's limits on all Roths. There's limit on contributions in a Roth IRA. 
Uh, Roth 401k, there is no limit on income, but there is limits on the amount of money that you can contribute. So hopefully this helps. And um, yeah, we'll just go by job odd. And for mega backdoor Roth, just listen to prior episodes. Yeah. All right. Clint writes in, goes, hey, Andy, Joe and Big Al. I was wondering if it's okay to file our 1040 for 2020 before getting all tax documents in the mail. With the standard deduction for a married couple at 24000 it's hard to even come close to writing items off. Can we just plug our W-2 info onto the online service and wait for our return to be processed? Or should we wait for a couple of messy 1098 forms to arrive and finalize the 1040 the old-fashioned way? I think he said measly, measly 1098s. <laughs> what did I say? Messy. <laughs> Well, have you ever seen a 1098? <laughs> They're very organized and structured. They're not messy. <laughs> they are very messy. <laughs> messy 1098s. They've, they've got boxes, and you're supposed to hit the numbers in the box. It's an accountant's dream. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Um, so what, 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 what say with these measly 1098s? Well, a 1098 is for mortgage interest. So I assume what Clint is suggesting is he doesn't have enough mortgage interest and in taxes to get over the $24,000 figure. If that's the case, sure, go ahead and file. You don't even need to worry about it, right? Right. He's going to get all of his doc. Here's my medical expenses. Yeah. Here's it's, my mortgage it's interest. Come Here's my four, chair. 14000 <laughs> oh, Couldn't do it again. Standard so he deduction. mails all that stuff in too? No, just take the standard deduction of 24000 Yeah, good to go. Just, yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people, well, that was the whole purpose of the JOBS Act. Uh, yeah. Job. So it would make the tax filing simpler because less people would itemize, right? Correct. They doubled it. So from 12000 to 24000 That's right. On the other hand, here's another related question, which he could have asked is, what if I have a measly 1099 of, of I'm, if, if, he th- if he's thinking it's like $25 of interest, should he wait till that comes in or whatever? And the answer is, well, first of all, you should have already got it, but let's just say you haven't. And if you think it's $25 because you go to your last statement on your bank and it says year-to-date interest $25, yeah, just put that in or put in $30, you know, just maybe go a little bit higher if you don't want to wait till it comes in. So that's not that big a deal. What, what is a big deal though, is if you forget to put it on and it's like a big amount, and then, then you should go back and amend your return to fix it. And if you don't do that, you will most definitely get a letter from the IRS saying, we disagree with your filing. I, I think Clint is an overachiever. Yeah. It's January. Right. And he's already, he just wants to get this out of the way. By the way, the IRS is not even accepting returns until February 12th this year. So it is a little early. <laughs> Come on, Clint. You relax. can send it. They're not going to do anything. It'll just be in a online pile yeah i would probably write into a show like this in october <laughs> <laughs> haven't got my documents yet really have you checked you have mail Did you get your mail i'm still working on my return <laughs> get the 2021 tax planning guide from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to make sure you're prepared to file your 2020 taxes see where your income falls in the current tax brackets learn what impact the cares act and the secure act might have on your taxes mark your calendar with key tax dates and much more you see joe and big al have all sorts of 
useful free financial resources for you. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes to get the 2021 tax planning guide. And hey, share the love and spread the knowledge. Post the YMYW podcast on your social media with the hashtag YMYW and email the links to your friends and your family and your colleagues. How about Brian from Albany? Okay. Hey, Joe, Big Al, Andy, thanks for answering my last question about taking distributions and keeping all my investments at Vanguard. You told me to chill, and that was reassuring. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right, thanks, B. It's like, chill the F out. <laughs> and F stands for something that you guys probably know. Um, all right. As I get closer to retirement, I'm diversifying, uh, I'm diversifying my portfolio, which had been very heavy in U.S. stocks. My most underinvested area is international stocks. My 401k has only one fair option. So I'm putting money into international fund in my Roth IRA and brokerage accounts. I'm trying to keep it simple. I have half my international dollars in total international stock index fund and the other half in international growth fund. Is this diversified enough? Are there any other international sectors that I should be thinking about in the mix? Or is this overkill to have both? I suspect there are lots of overlap. Thanks. Brian from Albany. It's pronounced Albany. Albany, not Albany. Not Al like Bill, Big not Al, like, it even says. Like Big, Al. Big Albany. All, Albany. All. 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 Albany. Brian, Albany. Yes. It's way overkill. It's, you probably almost have the same exact uh, <laughs> um, investments. Uh, go I to agree. emerging markets. There yeah, you go. That's the one you're missing. I agree with that. And emerging markets has uh, has a higher expected return, but it's a lot more volatile. So maybe just do, I don't know, 25% if that in your Roth. No more than that. Because, in, in your overall mix, right? Yeah. Maybe when you're, if you look at all of your asset classes, probably no more than five or 10% if you want to be really aggressive on so, emerging markets. Yeah, I would I would say, let's say if you want, um, in, in your equity mix, I would go 60% U.S., 40% international. Right. I would split up the international. If you want to be a little bit more aggressive, you could go 50% emerging markets, 50% international, or you probably want to go maybe closer to 70-30. Seventy yeah. percent all international stocks. You, you stay with your, you know, total U.S. or total international stock market fund, and then you can go thirty percent into a, a emerging market um, equity fund. Um, you could cut this pie a lot of different ways, you but can. if you want to keep it simple, Brian from Albany, yes, that's what I would do. Happy New Year, Andy, Alan, Joe, um, Jim here from Santa Cruz calling. Is this the same Jim from Santa Cruz that calls all the time? Yes. And he never calls. He always emails. But you always say that people call, so he's just taken that to go. Call. He's running with it. I've listened to your show for the last year or so. While running the vicious, heartless, cruel stairs at Apatos Beach. That's Aptos. Uh, You never (laughs) ran the stairs. When you run the stairs, you call it Apatos. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pain in the ass. It's vicious. It's heartless. Nice save. Yes. Uh, this often backfires. By the time I'm done, I'm so exhausted that I've forgotten everything I've learned. But what the heck? Here's my question for today. All right. Excluding my long-term capital gains, my 2020 AGI will fall just below $80,000, the top of the married 12% tax bracket. Al and Joe frequently mention the 0% rate of capital gains in the first two income tax brackets in that capital gains right on top of their regular earnings. But I'm unclear on exactly what right on top means. 
It would be awesome if the $41,000 of capital gains I realized last fall are tax-free. But that seems too good to be true. Or is it? Thanks for the great show you produce each week. It's too good to be true. So here's here's how this works, Jim. Is You said your AGI is just below 80000 So let's say it's 78000 just to make up a number. Okay. So of the 40, if you want to sell stocks or whatever and, get, and generate 41,000 of capital gains, only $2,000 is tax-free to the 80,000. Everything else above that, or in this example, 39,000 would be taxed at 15%. So when we say to the top, that just means the portion of your capital gains that keep you in the 0% tax bracket, I'm sorry, the 12% bracket, get taxed at zero. That's how this works. By the way, we talked about in episode 303, 295, 292, 287, 272, and 266. Well, dude, the, the guy's killing it, <laughs> running the stairs. But he's forgotten that because he just runs the stairs. Yeah, he hears on top. <laughs> it's like, I knew something good happened there. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right. We got Mark from Longmount, Colorado. Longmount, is that correct? Longmont. 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 All right. I love the podcast. However, I would like to challenge the answer that you gave to Jeff from San Diego on podcast 310. Oh, okay. Got another challenge. Yes. Mark from Longmont. Here we go. Regarding this proposed social security claiming strategy for him and his wife, you stated that his strategy would not work because of the new deeming rules. I believe you misapplied the deeming rules to his situation. I am H O. In my humble opinion. Oh, is that I what was like, I'm Ho. I'm Ho. I, I would have said I'm Ho. Deeming only applies. <laughs> I'm Ho. <laughs> you guys don't spend enough time online yet. It's in my humble opinion. I am H O. Okay. Okay. Well, if he was truly humble, he would just keep his mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> but so okay. I'm ho deeming. <laughs> only applies when the claimant is eligible for multiple benefits at the time of filing and is deemed to have filed for both and the higher benefit is paid. Since Jeff has not filed for his own benefit yet, his wife is not eligible for the spousal benefit at the time she files for her benefit, so the deeming rule does not apply. Once Jeff files, then his wife will be eligible for the excess spousal benefits, which will top her off. Uh, I yeah, I agree with that, Mark. I don't I don't even remember <laughs> Jeff from San Diego on podcast three ten, and you know maybe I just threw out the word deeming because I thought I wanted to sound smart. Yeah, one day. yeah. In my humble opinion, <laughs> you, you were trying to sound smart. I was. Yeah. So now I I actually as I read as I hear you read this comment, I I agree. That's that's a correct statement. That Jeff so I, if if we could go back, I'm sure Andy didn't do any research for us on what I actually said, but a spouse cannot claim the spousal benefit until the spouse claims their own benefit. Right. And so maybe the spouse had a lower benefit and they were like, Hey, we're going to have her claim. And then the benefit will, I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm I don't, guessing I don't, here. I don't remember that one either, but, but it is true. Like, let's I'm, say we're pretty good at social security. I'm, I'm surprised I kind of blew that up. Yeah. But it is true that let's say one spouse starts claiming at 62 and then wants to switch over to the spousal benefit, it'll be a forever reduced 
benefit, right? Because that spouse has already received benefits starting at age 62. Correct. So let's say one spouse is going to claim their own benefit at age 62 and then switch to the spousal benefit once the spouse claims their benefit, let's say at age 70. Right. So yes, they would then get, because the spousal benefit is basically two benefits. Um, And Mark is pretty bright because he he understands that they're they're basically two benefits. You have your own benefit, and then the Social Security basically tops you off or shores you up uh, with the spousal benefit to equal half the benefit that you the claiming spouse is receiving, or a reduction of that benefit if you claim your benefit early. Right. So I bet Mark is in the business. That it's very likely. Would you <laughs> like to hear Jeff's actual question so you can see whether Mark is right or not? Would I like to? See, um, I have no idea what you just said. I was what? <laughs> I, I can read to you what Mark's question was. Mark's question? I just I'm sorry. Mark's no, Jeff's question. question. Jeff's question. No, uh, I, what, I don't what, want to get into that. Was words. that the three part? It was a long. <laughs> no, part. no, no, it wasn't. Okay, read it then. <laughs> I'm nearly 59. Plan to retire at 65. My wife is a year younger. Also would like to retire when she reaches 65. So then he says later on, in order to maximize the Social Security payout, I will wait to claim until I'm 70. My wife will claim her benefit while she's 67. Once I turn 70, she will claim the additional spousal offset since her spousal benefit will likely be larger than her benefit alone. And you said, sorry to burst your bubble, can't do that. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I was probably really cocky about it too. (laughs) Probably were. That's why he wrote us. That's why he wrote us. Yeah. It was like, these guys are idiots. <laughs> I have to write it. Mark from Long's Long, Long I, bet you, I bet you Mark has its own podcast. Guaranteed. Yeah. And he talks about us all the time. He's, he's a CPA, <laughs> CFP, CFA. Uh, yep. No, that is correct. So, Mark, thank you for the correction. I'm very, it, I'm very humble. Yeah. Uh, VMHO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because that's right. So for Jeff, we got to call Jeff and tell him, hey, you know what? I think you're, but he's only 59. The rules are going to change anyway by the time he it's turns 70. Probably. And they, they just changed about what, four or five years ago? Yes. Yeah. So you're right. So she could claim her own benefit at age 67. Um, and then that's her full retirement age. Yeah. And when he turns his benefit on at age 70, then it would flip to the, um, spousal benefit. Yeah. Because she she can't claim the spousal benefit until he turns his benefit on. They stopped the whole file and suspend yeah. before, right? You could file like he would have filed for his benefit, suspended them, then she, she then she could have claimed the the spousal benefit at that point, um, but no longer. So she's gonna claim her own benefit at age 67, then turn the spousal when he turns 70 to and she'll be 69. Um because the spousal benefit will be larger, apparently. Yeah, and that sounds right. And it's because she waited a full retirement age. If she started collecting her Social Security at age 62 or before full retirement age, she could still get a spousal potentially, but it will be a reduced benefit. Correct, because she claimed her benefit right. early. That's right. All right. Um, well, thank you very much, Mark. I really appreciate the comment. Um, and um, teaching me two new things here. Yeah, I, that blew, I, I'm ho. I'm ho? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to use that <laughs> all day, every day. 
In my humble opinion, it is your jokes, stories, limericks, music, and of course your questions and comments that are what make YMYW. Send them all in. Click the Ask Joe and Al banner in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment video call. It doesn't matter where you are in the country and chances are one of the certified financial planners at Pure can help you identify strategies to create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.